today we are continuing in our series from Revelation, and uh, our series is called Brand New. The subtitle this morning is Whose Are You? But what an unprecedented and disturbing and difficult week it's been for everybody in our nation, particularly those in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng. So let's take a moment this morning as we open in prayer and let's pray for our nation. Father, we come to you today as the children of the Most High God. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is clear, that your ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. As a matter of fact, Father God, in, in the book of Genesis, when you were about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for the, for the sin, you came to your man, Abraham. And in that conversation, you said if he could find 10 righteous people, you would save the whole city. And Lord, there are literally millions of righteous people in this nation, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ out of a pure heart. And so we're asking you to save our nation. We're asking you to heal our nation. We know we can't do anything in our own ability, but through your strength and through your power and through your ability, this nation will arise and become everything that you've destined us to be. We thank you for this today, and even as we study the word, thank you that you'll capture our hearts, that you would speak to our lives, and that you'd multiply your grace and your peace in every person's life this morning, in Jesus' name. Well, just before we dig into the message, we've started a prayer initiative this past Thursday. We're doing it from the 15th of July to the 15th of August, and every day at 9 a.m., we're going to put down whatever we're doing. And for 15 minutes, we're just going to pray and cry out to God to heal our nation. And then in the evening at 9 p.m., we're going to put down whatever we're doing. And for 15 minutes, we're going to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest field. That he'd prepare the hearts of the people to receive the word of the living God. That he'd raise up the evangelists to go out. And that the church would declare... Everything that you have prophesied over the nation of South Africa. So join us if you want to. You can go to our WhatsApp, send us an email, or to our Facebook page, and you can get all the details. Well, this morning, I'm so excited. We, we're kind of drawing to a close in our series, and God willing, next week we'll, we'll conclude. But um, in Revelations chapter 15, we see John's vision of the seven angels who will release the seven bowls of the wrath of God. This is the final judgment of God. In these hours when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth, there will still be a faithful company of the redeemed, who in spite of their sufferings for Christ during this time, are enabled to join in the great chorus of worship, exalting Jehovah, their deliverer, their lamb, and their savior. Let's take a look at these incredible verses from Revelations chapter 15 and verses 1 to 4. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Please remember that. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on a sea of glass, having the harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. 
the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are all your ways. O King of the saints, who shall not fear you? For you alone are holy. You, O Lord, will, we will glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. So notice something, that this is the final completion of God's judgments. But notice as well in these verses, there's quite a bit of, an, uh, of symb- symbolism as well. The sea of glass is suggestive of the deliverance of Israel at the Red Sea. Its waters reddened by the pillar of fire. The harps, remember we looked at it uh, in chapters 8 and 9, spoke about a heart of thanksgiving as a lifestyle. So this again reflects and shows us that thanksgiving, praise, and worship are the keys to walking and living in the presence and the grace of God. We know that Moses sang a song of deliverance to God after he had overcome them. So regardless of what's going on around us, we can still offer up thanksgiving. We can still bring our praise and our honor and our worship to the Lord. And as we do that, we're connecting with God and we're in agreement with God's plan and purpose. We also see that the song of the Lamb is a celebration, not just of God's power and glory, but also of his judgment and justice. That he is a sovereign God. And you see, it releases God's presence. And when God's presence is released, it releases too his justice and his purposes. So the only way we can live like this in, a, in an attitude of thanksgiving and praise is by knowing whose we are. We need to know who we belong to today. And you see, when we know who we belong to, we know that we can continually walk in the righteousness of God, which we have been made in Christ Jesus. Can I remind us today of Ephesians chapter 2? And I'll take a moment to read all, all six verses. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You see, this reminds us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the spiritual realm. Verse 3 goes on and says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of anger, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, it's easy for us to stand in judgment over what others do or don't do. But what we need to remember is that but for the grace of God, but for the blood of Jesus, we too could find ourselves 
in the same place. And that's what motivates us to realize and remember that it's because we belong to Jesus, because we have been made righteous, that we are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And he hears our prayers. He hears our cries. And he causes us to live in the victory. You see, it's not by what's going on around you. The reality is today in the spiritual realm, you already have the victory. So let's stand firm on the living word. Then we go on in chapter 15 and we read uh, the next four verses from verse 5. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. We drop into chapter 16 and verses 1, and then it says, And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go forth and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. So the bowls contain the final portion of the wrath of God, which began, remember, on the sixth seal in Revelation 6 verse 12, continued on in and through up to the seven trumpets. And all of these take place in the first half of the seven years of tribulation. That is confirmed and fulfills Daniel's prophecy of Daniel's 70th week. And then it's continued through all the way to these final bowl judgments would happen actually at the very end of the second three and a half years before the tribulation concludes. And it actually takes place just before the time of Christ's second coming. Such plagues were predicted, even in the Old Testament, that it would take place on the enemies of Israel during the last days. And your reference there is Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 to 10, and Isaiah 51, verse 23. Remember that four similar judgments were also poured out upon Egypt when they were instructed by Moses to let God's people free. The language used here leads us to believe that this is not just something spiritual, but they are literal plagues, and we're not sure exactly how long each of them will last. These judgments are against those who worship the beast, those who take on the mark of the beast and worship the image, And we see that in that God is fulfilling his justice over the evil that's been perpetuated in the earth today. Now let's just quickly wrap it all up as we look at our final two diagrams on this segment of Revelation. Now notice there are seven bowls of judgment. In verses 2 we see the sores that afflict those who have taken the mark of the beast. 
In verses 3 on the diagram, we see that, that the sea turns to blood and all the sea creatures die. And then in verses 4 to 7, we see the third bowl of judgment where the rivers turn into blood. And then we see in verses 8 to 9, mankind scorched by the sun because they blaspheme the name of God. And then the fifth bowl in verses 10 and 11, we see the beast seat of government and those who are caught up right at the high level of leadership are afflicted. And then the sixth bowl, we see the Euphrates River dried up and we see the world armies gathered together for the battle of Armageddon. And we'll share a little bit about that later on. And then the seventh and final bowl, we see the earth is utterly shaken in verses 7 to 21. And so as we see these final bowls of judgment completing, we now can reveal, in, and if, as we look at the second diagram, we see the contents complete of all the judgments. We see the seven seals, which started with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We see the seven trumpets. And remember, right at the end, the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet contained the three woes that we spoke about. And then now we have the conclusion of God's judgments here in the seven bowls of judgment. Now notice the seven trumpets and the seven bowls are almost identical except in the bowls they multiplied and more intensified. Now these two diagrams, you may or may not see them clearly depending on what apparatus you're using them, but they are part of our online uh, teaching notes which you can find at RFCFC. Dot com, and you'll be able to download them and look at them and study them in your own time. Now, let's continue here in Revelation 16, and we'll read from verses 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now notice something very significant here. Here, as in the previous judgments between the sixth and the seventh one, as here between the sixth and the seventh bowl of judgment, there's this brief interlude where suddenly John gives us some clarity and also a very important encouragement which we can even receive today in our own lives and walk with God. It explains how the kings of the earth who are not under the Antichrist currently will also be persuaded to cooperate with the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon. And these demons basically lie to them and say it is the only hope of overcoming Christ and his victory so that they can continue to rule on the earth. These unclean spirits and demons will actually inspire ambassador, ambassadors and different levels of leadership to do miracles through them to convince the kings of the earth that the success of their future lies in them preventing Christ from taking over the earth in his second coming. Isn't it incredible that after all of this, 
people are still deceived. Now, this particular rendition here that inspires the nations to fight against Christ is a fulfillment of a prophecy that came through in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And I'd encourage you to go and read that in your own time. But I want to just read verse 12. Look how it comes together and it brings this encouragement to you and I. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. So we notice it's not the son, S-U-N, it's the son, S-O-N, speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ. And that kiss the son speaks about coming and accepting salvation, coming and being a Christ follower and serving the God, serving the living God so that you pass out of judgment into eternal life. And I love how it ends. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Again, an encouragement to you and I as believers that no matter what goes on on this world today, tomorrow, or in the next 10 years, we can continue to trust God because he is trustworthy. Now, just as Ahab was allured to battle and his subsequent destruction by demons, we too as people need to guard our hearts. Now that happened in Second Chronicles chapter 18 from verses 18. And it's such an encouragement that, you know, one evil spirit deceived 400 prophets to prophesy incorrectly because they did not love truth. And so we need to remember today, remember in, in the book of the Gospels, it speaks about grace and truth coming together. And so we need to remember that uh, the grace of God working in us will cause us to love truth and to embrace truth in our lives and in our walks with God. And so we see the nations literally will be led to battle at Armageddon in hope of defeating Christ. But we know the outcome of that story. Let's read on again in uh, verses 15 and 16. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So again, Jesus is still displaying his grace and his plan of salvation. And again, he announces his second coming, which he associates with Armageddon in this place. And this again is a further, further confirmation of God's word prophetically spoken in firstly, sorry, firstly we see the battle of Armageddon in Revelations 19 and we'll look at that next week as we conclude our series. But we see here the confirmation of 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 to 10 and also Matthew 24. Now remember, we don't have time to go to all those references, but you can use them in your own Bible study. Now we drop into Revelation 16 and verse 17, and it says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven, saying from the throne, It is done. Wow. This confirms Revelation 10 verse 6. 
where the angel declares there will be no more delays to what God is doing. And also, it foretells towards the conclusion of all earth before the new Jerusalem comes, which we find in Revelations 21, verse 6. And uh, I put the reference there, but I decided I wanted to just read it for you. It says, And he said to me, It is done. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. So if you're in a place today where you're thirsting, where you're hungry, where you don't know where to turn, turn to Jesus. Turn to God and allow him to fill you with his living water of life. Now we drop into Revelations chapter 17. And in verse 1 it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now the seventh bowl, if you'll listen carefully, the seventh bowl's events actually continue from 16 all the way through to chapter 19 where the battle of Armageddon takes place. And so it's important to remember these things we are talking about are a follow-through right up to Revelation chapter 19. And it gives us clarity and exposes how the enemy, even during these times, will infiltrate the church with disbelief, unbelief, and deception. But how many of you know, Jesus still overcomes Look at verse 14 of Revelation chapter 17. It says, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Did you see that? Those who are with him. What are we called? We are called chosen and faithful. If you're a Christ follower, If you're a person who's been born again and you follow after God, then I want you to know you are chosen and you are faithful. And God is working in your life. In verses 18 of Revelation chapter 17, it says, And that woman, or and the woman whom you saw, is the great city who reigns over the kings of the earth. So here, in chapter 17, we see the great deceptive religious system or leadership that we spoke about last week headed up under a powerful religious system and leadership drawing literally thousands of deceived worshipers who in reality are worshiping the devil and the beast into a place where they side with the devil and his evil schemes through the beast. This enormous world system, too, will be brought to an end with everything that is connected with it. And so where it speaks about this woman, it's not talking about an individual as much as it's talking about a system or, or a structure of leadership that stands in contrast to the church of Jesus Christ. We know the church of Jesus Christ is referred to as a chaste virgin who is engaged to one husband, which is Jesus Christ. That's you and I. We've been engaged to Jesus Christ because we are born again and washed in his blood. And so listen, 
you and I belong to him. It's not just who you are, it's whose you are. And so this religious backstead in church, and, and so how many of you know sometimes the enemy, he doesn't always try and infiltrate you from the outside, but he tries to wear you down on the inside, wear down your resolve, wear down your ability to stand in faith, and cause us sometimes to want to doubt in unbelief and get into fear. But you see, this religious backstead in church is giving up to serving its own purpose and the beast of the earth. But the true church is called and reveals the mystery of Christ's godliness. And this false church reveals the mystery of Babylon. The true church offers up a cup of salvation through the Lamb of God. But this false church offers up a cup of abominations. Yet Christ is still the one who will overcome all false religion and incorrect religious systems that break people down and take away glorifying and serving God. Why? Because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Now for some, we see this as a defeat for the cause of Christ But in reality, it's actually a victory for the church because even the faithful remnant who may be defeated in the moment still get a further opportunity to repent and to run to God and to follow the true shepherd. Another fulfillment of the true shepherd found in John chapter 10 where it says, My sheep know my voice, and they follow after me. And those, uh, the true shepherd comes through the door, and he allows his sheep to come in, and he looks after them and protects them. And he is not a hireling, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. So how many know the outward man perishes, but the inward man is being renewed day by day? And so even as we go into chapter 18, we see Jesus making this plea for the real church to come forth and come out of that deception to listen to the voice of God and enter in to his rest. Let's look at that in Revelations chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. After these things, I saw another angel and, uh, coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So let me break down Revelation 18 for you, and then you can go read it in your own time. In verses 1 to 3, we see this great angel comes and proclaims the fall of Babylon, which may not be a person or a city, but again a system of rulership and control through, through the political arena. And then we see in verses 4 to 8 that the followers of God who who are still caught up in this, are exhorted to come out and to escape from the deception before the approaching and final punishment is released. In verses 9 to 11, we see the kings of the earth, the merchants, business, and, uh, and all the world system begin to bewail their faith, 
faith because they realize that their plan is not working. And then in verses 12 to 19, even the evil which they were acting out is multiplied on those who have caused the evil. And then finally, in verses 20 and 24 of Revelation chapter 18, we see all of heaven begins to rejoice over the fall of Babylon and the final desolation is finally coming to pass. And so it's a reminder to you and I again once more. It's not who you are, it's whose you are. When you belong to Christ, He's the one working in your heart. You don't have to strive in your own ability and your own works to be perfect. You don't have to come before God and say, well, you know, I've done this right and I've done that right and so now I have access. No, you and I have access because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to God. Let's have a look at it again as we close this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. And we read from verses 7 down to verses 10. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. How many of you know, none of us have grounds for boasting because none of us get a perfect 10 in any area of our lives. We're all growing in the grace and the wisdom and the holiness which God has given us in and through Christ Jesus. And so it says, uh, therefore, we are his workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as we conclude today and we realize that we belong to God, I want to encourage you not to try and come up with your own good works or your own good plan or your own way of where you're going to get where you think you need to be going, but rather take a hold of what Jesus already purchased for you, the purpose and the plan he already laid out for you, and begin to walk in that. You see, We belong to Jesus, and you are God's prized possession. God's plan is for us to be more than conquerors in Christ in every area of our lives. And we don't have to live enslaved by the enemy's plan. We don't have to strive in our own ability to be something. We can rest in God because we're already something. You can decide today to do what you need to do by getting serious with God. Follow the promptings and leadership of the Holy Spirit and stay on God against your enemy, the enemy of your soul. Choose today to follow God's plan for your life and not Satan's. And then you'll begin to defeat the enemy at every turn. Can I conclude with this today? Dare to let God be everything that he said he will be because you belong to him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person listening today. They are your prized possession and I pray this week will experience your grace, 
will have an understanding of your will and that we'll follow the leadership of your Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. I thank you today, Father, that even this week as we begin to rebuild this nation in different areas, that we'll rise up in unity and that we'll be strong together and that we'll fight for our country and we'll fight for the purposes of God for this nation. I pray for every person who might today be struggling in an area of health, be struggling financially, be struggling with a bondage in their lives. And I pray today that you would release them, set them free and cause healing to flow through their bodies in Jesus' name. Now, perhaps you're listening today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or you once did, but you just know in your heart you haven't quite been living where you really want to with him. You can put on your robe of righteousness today, and you can come running into his presence and receive all that he has for you. So if that's you, would you simply pray this prayer with me today? Just pray this and be sincere in your heart. Say, Father God, I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sins and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Christ into my life and I thank you for your salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you have a prayer request or a testimony you want to share with us, please send us a WhatsApp or send us an email Both are appearing on your screen right now. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to pray with you. Church, can I encourage you? Don't get gripped by fear. Don't give up. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus this week by alleviating someone's hurt, by being a blessing to someone in the name of Jesus. And together, we can do better. Now, if you want to find out more about our church, you can go to rfcfc.com and you can go to the different... Uh, icons, you can download the resources, you can download and and read out our weekly blog that will just encourage and build your faith and we'd love you to do that also, if you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can find our banking details on our website or you can send us a WhatsApp and we'll send them to you so that you could do an EFT or you can simply use the SnapScan code that is appearing on your screen right now God bless you, we love you, and we can't wait to see you on Thursday at half past six for a Bible study and communion service. God bless you, and be blessed.